0: Just a heads up, in this episode we discuss drug use, drug addiction, drug overdose and death.
1: What we're really missing in our industry is an understanding of the impact that medication is having on claims. And what we're seeing is an increase in the amount of people dying from prescription medication. This is Intelligent Rebellion.
0: Next two episodes of Intelligent Rebellion, I chat with my really good friend Lauren. Um, Lauren also grew up in the healthcare compo rehab industry, but we actually became friends through some mutual friends and ended up sort of bonding over lots of red wine and hen's nights. Uh, Lauren is a remarkable human being. Um, I absolutely adore her. And I'm really excited to be able to share the chat that we had. It's a really important issue that Lauren and I actually speak about. So I've had to split it into two parts just to make sure that I do this topic justice. So in this part one, Lauren will share her healthcare origin story. Um, We'll talk about how we're now lame in our older age and the small rebellions that we had during lockdown. Uh, Lauren will talk about the scariest thing that she sees that is happening in the healthcare and compo industry right now. And we muse about some of the possible solutions, uh, including collaboration and policy change and placing the injured person at the centre of the claim. So I hope you really enjoy this episode of Intelligent Rebellion with my amazingly beautiful friend, Lauren Dredge. Yeah, so firstly, just like introduce yourself to the world. Tell us who you are in like a few sentences and how you ended up here.
1: Okay, look, I'm no one special, but um, (laughs) so uh, my name is Lauren Dredge. I am the general manager of Claims Pharmacy. I'm actually a rehab counsellor by background and I've been working Um, across the personal injury insurance sector for um, 15 or so years. Um, Do not calculate my age. But, um, yeah, so I guess I have predominantly worked in occupational rehab, so that's been most of my history and and where I've, you know, um, had my experience. But I also did a a bit of a stint at um, an insurer in New South Wales Um, working across some of their portfolios there in a project management capacity which was I think really helpful um, to understand from a scheme agent's perspective what you know their strategic initiatives are what their priorities are from a financial perspective what the impact is um, so that you know working in rehab gives you you know some perspective and some insights um, into scheme agents and how they operate but working for one I think is is where I gained some really valuable experience Um, and then I found myself um, in between rehab providers um, you know having kids and and doing all that sort of stuff Um, and then I found myself at claims pharmacy uh, probably 18 months ago and it's been a roller coaster ride uh, but it has been it's the best job I've ever had and I love it it's so cool <laughs> that,
0: that's some long sentences Lauren so <laughs> <laughs> well that, sorry I mean trying no, to make cool. sound I, interesting. I, I actually always refer to someone like you as like a quadruple threat in our industry oh I like that well, and, and I'll tell you why I'll tell you why so the reason why is because you've kind of done it all in our industry so, there are people who've only worked as rehab consultants, like with a provider. People have only done insurance, have only done, um, you know, employer stuff, but you've done it all. And then now you're kind of already in this space with Claims Pharmacy, which is, well, we'll talk about it like later on, but it skirts, it's sort of on the outside of Compo, mm. but still inside Compo. So, man, like I always love talking to you because you do have this really wide view of the system because you have, as you said, been in everything, um, mm. and that's why like you're a quadruple threat in this in this industry. You I'm know going what? To it's use quite- that. I love yeah. that. Term. <laughs> so, I think the very first question that we ask anybody on this Intelligent Rebellion podcast is, "What has been your most recent personal rebellion?" Like, and it could be anything, like work home anything else I think that you know
1: I'm a pretty straighty 180 (laughs) in my in my sort of um in my later years I guess um since having kids I feel like um I'm not a rule breaker anymore but um don't laugh (laughs) (laughs) I used to have that um, you know sort of a rebellious nature in me Um, but look it's been a real challenge um, over the last couple of months to do anything that um, that sits outside of um, I guess breaking the rules and and being rebellious so if I'm going to be really lame here um, (laughs) because it's really all I can think of is um, I took myself off to the movies the other day on my own um, and that sounds super lame but to me it was amazing and I didn't tell anybody I was doing it. <laughs> and I think that my husband thought that I was working but I wasn't <laughs> but it's it sounds completely silly and um well, and lame as I said yeah, but
0: I, I, I'm slightly disappointed in that answer because again you and I know each other really well and I think we developed a friendship based around hens nights and red wine so, yeah. <laughs> and we're not going to talk about that because that's you know for you said off, recent
1: um, I mean it was bliss it was like I didn't have to parent uh, tiny humans I didn't have to Um, direct my husband to put on a load of washing or you know clean up the the dog poo outside like it was just it was nice it was two hours to myself and it felt um, I felt naughty and that's um, (laughs) you know but look
0: yeah I'm lame I'm so lame. Tell us you know as a 17 year old kid and trying to figure out what you were going to do like, what made you go, oh, I'll do rehab <laughs> counselling? Like, what, what is your healthcare origin story? Okay. It's, it,
1: it's actually really quite funny. Um, so I've always felt there was something inside of me that um, wanted to help people in some capacity. Earlier on in my life, I wanted to either be a paramedic uh, or I wanted to be a psychologist. And that was just something within me said, this is, this is what you need to do. You need to help people. Um, during my last year at school, I lost both my grandmothers and my, I think probably I didn't perform as well as I should have in the HSC. And so I was really disappointed in not getting through to Macquarie University in their psych degree. I Put my thinking cap on, and I thought, okay, what what's out there that's similar, possibly? Um, yeah. And then the um, Sydney Uni came up with this Bachelor of Health Science, majoring in rehab counselling. And I thought, rehab counselling, what is that? I haven't, I really have no idea what that is, but yeah. it sounds like there's a counselling element to it, which <laughs> is very much in line with, um, I guess, my um, desire to assist people why not? The worst I could do is I could start it and hate it and not finish it. So Mm -hmm. I thought um, with very, very limited information that I had, I uh, took a leap of faith and I signed myself up for this degree. And I realised it was at Combo. And (laughs) I thought it was going to be at the main campus. And at that point, Combo was... (laughs)
0: All right. So at this stage, Lauren has just fallen out of the, uh, the call and she's just sent me a text message that said my battery died. So way to go, Lauren, um, (laughs) not plugging in your laptop in the middle of this conversation. Just waiting for Laura to come back. And she's back. I tell you, like, this is
1: the story of my life. Anyway, let's press on. So I just realized the degree was at Combo, which was a little bit of a disappointment because I had heard about all these fantastic things at. Uh, the main campus and you know uh, walking in there it was it was different to what i expected university to be like or look like or feel like but i was lucky enough to meet some phenomenal people who are still my friends, very close dear friends, um, both of which, well, two of them in particular work in the industry. So um, I feel like it was it was a very small, tight-knit group of people with all of the same view that no one had any idea of what rehab counseling was. And I think also it gave me some really wonderful life experience too, because part of that degree, you were required to do a 1,000 hours of work experience. We even went um, onto the Central Coast and, and uh, attended a camp for a week uh, with um, some individuals that had quite severe disabilities and we actually had to care for them so we were their personal carers so we had to learn from um, from a different perspective what it's like to care for another human being and nurture them and but not only nurture them but empower them to to be as independent as they can be so i think it gave me some really wonderful life skills When I finished the degree, I needed to take some time away and just be young and free and um, went to Europe for a couple of months. And
0: be rebellious because, you know. (laughs)
1: That's right. Break some rules.
0: Um, (laughs) We don't do that anymore.
1: (laughs) I definitely did do that. Um, But we won't talk about that. Um, So... Then I I landed up um, with an occupational rehab provider uh, being Work Focus Australia, and um, actually no, I lied. That was my second book It was Recover, <laughs> and they all kind Shout of roll on. into, it. Roll into it. <laughs> exactly. Look, there's there's a lot of rehab providers. I can I can name them off. And and look, that's one of the, the beautiful things about this industry is that um, it's it's a small tight-knit industry we all know each other very well mm-hmm. and we all kind of meet up with each other along the way but you always manage to find um your colleagues that you've worked with previously um, I know that you know um, I worked with one colleague um, you know, 10 years prior, who then became my boss at another rehab provider. Um, So it's wonderful. It's a wonderful industry to work in, because it is small, we do all know each other.
0: But then again, that is a good and a bad thing that it is a small industry as well. And I think, you know, at the same time, and this is what we're all about is about just having compassionate and courageous conversations, because we are kind of all in this together. And as you mentioned, Mm -hmm. you will come across people you've met or you've worked with in the past. So it's like, just be kind. We're very optimistic, you and I, and we wanna paint a very nice picture because we both love rehab and that's something that mm. you and I have in common. Mm. And, and we both love it so much that we just wanna make sure that everybody who's involved in it is having a great experience because mm. as I said, we're older and the new generation is what we need to show them that this is a wonderful community. This is mm. a beautiful community to be involved in. You know what? I've known you for ages, but I have never really heard that story before, right? Mm. So, firstly, combo was it's like out west, so yay. Um, you know me, I'm a Westie chick. Yes. So. <laughs> Welcome. I want to go back to some of the clinical stuff that you did. Were there any places where you're like, I don't want to go there, or, oh, that was really uncomfortable for me. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, If you want to talk, if you're open to talking about it, that that would be awesome.
1: There are some really phenomenal individuals um, within our community that aren't celebrated enough. Mm -hmm. Those individuals I'm talking about are personal carers. I think that they do amazing things and they have such compassion I was glad that I tried it. Um, it put things into perspective about life. Yeah. And I I grew up as, um, not by choice, I'll make that clear. <laughs> I grew up as a, a private school girl. And so I started um, at a private school from kindergarten and I finished at a private school in year 12. And then I was lucky enough to uh, attend four years' worth of university. So for me, there was probably a lack of awareness about um, some of the challenges that individuals face. So for me, it was a a fantastic reality check, particularly with this uh, one placement that I did. Uh, I think it was called Camp Breakaway. And it was a a time for families to to have a a break um, Mm -hmm. from, I guess, the responsibilities that are placed upon them when an individual has quite a severe disability. And also an opportunity for individuals with disabilities to have a phenomenal time. Yeah. Um, there were things like sailing, there were group activities, there were there was painting classes, it was, it was, it was a beautiful place to be. But it was a real eye-opener. So we were on 12-hour shifts uh, in groups of two. And um, and we had to do things that I'd never ha- had to do before to anybody. I I didn't have younger siblings. I never had to change nappies. Um, uh, there were there was some pretty pretty graphic things that um, I won't bring up in the in the conversation today. But um, it was that real personal care. And what I found was that this woman completely trusted in me and she had to she had no other option and she had a condition called Frederick's ataxia which is basically muscle breaking down in your body and it's terminal and pretty much in you know your life ends when your heart stops beating um, and that was pretty confronting as well because she was quite sort of far along um, in her disease and I learned about her her life and her husband and her kids and um, from when she was quite mobile and didn't have any symptoms to being in a wheelchair unable to sort of move and do anything for herself it put it put things into perspective about um, how tough some other people do it and I think that I took that experience uh, with me when I moved into the insurance sector in having some pretty challenging conversations Mm -hmm. with with individuals that, you know, just to put life into perspective and let them see all the really fantastic things, but also acknowledge all the challenges that they had. Um, And it wasn't sort of um, disrespecting their current situation, but it was just about having that that conversation, that open, um, transparent conversation about their life and how to help them move
0: forward. Yeah. And I think you pointed that uh, to that earlier on when you you were really specific about what we do in our industry, which is we empower people. Mm. You you Mm. said, you know, when you were trying to think about going into psychology um, or become paramedic, because you wanted to help people and empower people. It's funny because like um, you talk about the private school girl thing. And I mean, we grew up in very opposite sides of town, really. Mm. But yeah. this is, I think, what I love about just humans in general is it doesn't really matter where you came from because ultimately in this industry, all we are trying to do is help and heal and empower people. And it doesn't matter yeah. where you're from, that's kind of our purpose. If we all just stuck by that, one perp, that, that purpose and that mission, the world, I mean, I'm such an optimist, the world would be a better place. I often see a really big disconnect between the patients, their medical teams, and then mm-hmm. even more of a disconnect in like a third-party system like, you know, Compo where there's 400 other people trying okay. to get involved in all of this and we've all got these little, little circles and then you've got like a Venn diagram with like a tiny little sliver that everybody's kind of happy to negotiate on. With all of that and keeping that in mind, what do you think is the scariest thing that is happening in healthcare, particularly maybe in the space that we're in, which is Compo and, and rehab? Like what scares the shit out of you right now?
1: The point I want to get across, in particularly in that question, um, is just in relation to what I'm seeing at the moment and my job, because I think it is really relevant um, and it has a, a flow on effect to the work that you do um, in occupational rehab, but also the work that um, that happens within a scheme agent as well and I think it's it's a topic that is really not discussed is really not well understood and it's only working in my current role that I've been able to actually fully understand the whole picture and that sounds really silly because as you said like quadruple threat you called me before I'm (laughs) taking that with me Um, but but Even working across the many organisations that I've worked in, there was still pieces to the puzzle that were missing, particularly in insurance. Um, So for me, I can only talk about the scariest thing that I'm seeing at the moment, which I think is a really important topic. What we're seeing in the organisation that I work for at the moment being claims pharmacies, We, we work in medications. We um, help people take the right medication. We um, support people to be healthy and well. We make sure they're taking it safely and appropriately. What we're really missing in our industry is an understanding of the impact that medication is having on claims. Not only um, medication in the insurance sector, but also the Australian community as a whole. The scariest thing that I'm seeing at the moment is people dying. Or overdosing on some pretty heavy duty medications. We always refer back to when we're talking with customers um, the Pennington Institute. The Pennington Institute is is a wonderful organisation that every year puts out an annual overdose report and it is the Australian community. So they talk about how many people die every year um, from overdoses, whether they're intentional or unintentional. And what we're seeing is an increase in the amount of people dying from prescription medication. We're actually seeing that in the insurance sector increase as well. We we had um, two two cases come across um, our desk the other day that had um, unintentionally um, overdosed and I, th- I think that there's a real misunderstanding or a real lack of understanding as to, um, I guess, the disconnection between all of um, the stakeholders involved in a claim, and by that I mean insights into what is going on from a medication perspective. Can, so, can
0: I, sorry, Lauren, can I stop yeah. you there? Just to clear, just I'm just curious for my brain because you mentioned like heavy medications when you sort yeah. of started that can you give us yeah. just so people like like for me really to have an idea of what I'm thinking here like am I thinking Panadol like what am I thinking <laughs> like, what should I be thinking
1: yeah um look when what? I say heavy duty um I talk about we call them schedule eight or schedule four medications those medications that can only be prescribed by um a doctor okay what and and it It comes up in the Pennington Institute's annual overdose report as well. So what they're seeing across the Australian community, which is a reflection of, I guess, what's happening in the insurance sector as well, um, which is really interesting. Um, Opioids are the number one cause of death. Um, across Australia there's there's a lot of people that are dying Um, so at the moment that opioids in the Australian community I'm talking not the insurance sector it accounts for 53 percent of deaths it's mind that is
0: mind-blowing like that my brain just not literally exploded but just exploded
1: yeah now within the insurance sector the data that we have Uh, there's about 24% of injured people that we monitor or support that are taking opioids at the moment. So that's a pretty scary number because there are some really big ramifications that can occur as a result of taking opioids, not just from a return to work perspective, but also, um, you know, just sort of functioning um, as a human being. Then the Pennington Institute goes on to talk about the number two um, medication that is causing death across across Australia, which is benzodiazepines. So your benzodiazepines, are your sort of your Valiums, your Xanaxes, your those sorts of medications that make you feel really good. Um, and don't get me wrong, opioids also. I haven't taken them personally, but opioids can make you feel euphoric it can it can make you feel really good but it also can make you feel really really shit and that's what people don't realize it they have such serious consequences when taken for too long particularly when we're talking about um, in a poly drug use context so by poly drug use i mean when you're taking more than one medication at one time so what, we're, what the Pennington Institute is seeing is that opioids are the number one cause of death. Generally, opioids are being used in a polydrug context and also benzodiazepines are the number two cause of death. We're seeing very, very similar data in the insurance sector, except it's probably even scarier. What we're seeing is a lot of injured people that we monitor and support are taking between five to 20 claim related medications per day and we're talking about a large portion 75 percent of injured people that we monitor and support are taking sedative medications so by sedative i mean opioids benzodiazepines or medicinal cannabis so 75% 75% is huge. And, and this is where accountability and, and things like that um, within.
0: Yeah. Because, I mean, as you mentioned, they're prescribed medications. Like you just don't go to Woolworths. Yeah. And these, these medications
1: stuff. have to be given by doctors. Now, in a lot of cases, um, when we're looking at this data, we're seeing more probably on average about two treatment providers per case. So what that tells me is there's an inability to manage complex claims from a medical perspective. I think what happens is they go to a GP and the GP then sort of goes, well, I don't, I don't really know what to do. I'll keep dishing you out some, some medication because that's what manages the situation. Yeah. And then because I don't know what else to do, I'm going to refer it off to another stakeholder, whether it be a pain specialist Um, a surgeon, a psychiatrist, and then what happens is they start prescribing things. And then as a result of that, there's side effects. So you have to have medication to manage the side effects. And so then what we see is this downward spiral of these people who are consuming all of this medication. They're so doped up. They don't know what's going on. And how can you ever expect anybody to go back to work when they're in that state they they have all of these side effects yeah. nausea fatigue depression gastrointestinal issues of course they're not ready to go back to work when you're asking somebody to find a new job potentially retrain learn how to job seek or whilst these things are going on for them um we, there's there's the medication issues, but there's also um, a sense of loss um, as well. They're 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 going through um, a really traumatic experience, not only from I guess a management of a claim perspective, because we know that um, claims can be mismanaged quite often. Um, but they're also um, mourning the loss of I guess a life that was, and 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 far too often we, we throw the blame at them and we sort of say, well, what's wrong with you? Why aren't you trying to go back to work? Why what, don't you want to? Um, we, we place the blame onto the injured person. Yeah. And I think that that needs to change. They're not ready. They, they're, they're, they've got so much going on and they just can't, can't get there and yeah. we have to help them. I think it does also come back to collaboration we so often and I see it every day we so often work in silos we we have rehab providers who have these wonderful programs Uh, we have other third-party service providers that are providing this and I don't know what the answer is. I, I don't think one, I don't think one company can do everything and do it really well, yeah. hence why the industry is the way that it is. But I think there's a real lack of collaboration between mm-hmm. all third-party service providers because we've we've always been told to be protective of, of our intellectual property Um, what's ours is ours and we can't share it with you because we're worried that you're going to copy it
0: yeah there's only so many headings on a return to work plan there's there's you're always going to want a medical history from somebody so Mm. what ip are we actually trying to protect Mm. and of course there are you know different services that companies have and obviously what you guys do you're going to have your intellectual property by way of the service moving into that let's dream big mate like hey what i know we we don't have the answers like we're not even pretending i'm not even at all close (laughs) i know what's going on like i'm just the person going how about this imagine that like that we'll let other people solve those problems but let's go like magic wand bing 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 what what would you see this Utopian system look like. Like, what would you want?
1: If I knew the answer to that, I'd be a bloody millionaire.
0: I <laughs> no, no. I think there's a difference. I think there's a difference between what we want and what we, we can actually have.
1: Yeah. So uh-huh. let's just
0: pretend that, that we can have it. All right. What is this idea to you? Because that you've actually started creating it in what you're doing now, which I find absolutely extraordinary. What I would really like to see
1: is an industry that is designed by injured people. Far too often we create these policies and processes and rules and regulations around what we think is best practice. Yeah. Yet I'd say the majority of us individuals that work in this industry haven't been through what injured people go through.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: The, we we don't understand it we we can empathize and we can tell injured people you know that really sucks and i'm i'm here with you i'm i'm cheerleading you along the way but we we really don't know unless we've had a significant back injury or um you know we're, we've been exposed to a series of traumatic events and we have ptsd We don't know what it's like to walk in their shoes.
0: But even then, even if you have similar experiences, you will never, ever know what a person is going through. Yeah. And that is, I think that's a really interesting point about the empathy piece um, and the compassion piece because this is going to really be controversial. I'm actually (laughs) against the idea of empathy in the true sense of the meaning of empathy because I think... That trying to really understand somebody is just an epic failure Mm. for everybody involved but Mm. if we can show them compassion and and Mm. kindness and create a safe space and have an abundance of that that's that's fine like Mm. go for your life there but as I said I think if you're trying to empathize with somebody and pretend like you understand what they're going through you'll you'll never get there
1: yeah I think I think what we can summarize that as empowerment
0: yeah it's
1: yeah we need to we need to empower an individual to create change in their life ultimately it you know it stops with them like they're they're the only ones that can create change for themselves but going back to your question about you know um in an ideal scenario you know what would the insurance world look like um I, again I don't I don't have the answer to that question but I think we need to take a step back and we need to see it from a an injured person's perspective to be able to determine where the pain points are for those individuals yeah. create policies processes frameworks legislations around that information which is so vital to have and I don't I know we have these NPS scores and, and all that sort of stuff, but that means yeah. nothing, to be mm-hmm. honest. So designing processes with injured people in mind, but also the collaboration between stakeholders, I think is key here. Yeah. We we need to work to better together. I think we try and do it. We need to manage a claim from the very beginning correctly and yeah. we just don't do that we need more allied health professionals working in different roles across the industry for that to happen.
0: And and I think, you know, if whoever is listening to this right now, like my million dollar idea is to actually have one system for a person who is involved in a claim. Mm. As in, you know, it's kind of like a health record where they have access to that system and they can ask people to put stuff into their like their medical professionals their insurance companies so there's just like Mm. a one hub for that specific claim Mm. because you're right because we're sitting in silos like well I have my notes and then I have my notes oh I'm not going to give you my notes oh I can't share my notes with you well then how Mm. are we going to potentially help this person like how am I going to know as a rehab consultant what medications this person is on and how that affects x y and z as you mentioned I, I don't I try to understand, but if the doctor's tight-lipped and they don't want to do a case conference or the worker has a, we're not empowering the worker to really understand the medications that they're on, then they can't give anybody else that information and that understanding as well. Yeah. Who is listening to this? If you have a billion dollars, can you just invent one of these systems? Like.
1: Oh, I think, I think that would be amazing. Yeah. I think that would be amazing. Definitely,
0: I have seen an industry where people are trying to add value and services to, for a worker, but they're being hamstrung by somebody because they're apparently nudging in on a service that another person could provide. Well, if that person's not doing that service properly, then why should they have the opportunity to continue?
1: You're only ever going to get a referral when a case manager or an IMA identifies as a problem. And what I like to call that is when the horse is bolted. What are the things that we can change and how can we create a safe place for people with some really brilliant ideas and focus on innovation? What we're seeing is um, some scheme agents be really excited about The services that we have to offer. And those have um, taken a leap of faith and and signed on with us, and, and we're embedded in their case management model, which is phenomenal.
0: The Intelligent Rebellion podcast is a three sticks production. It is produced, written and hosted by me, Rhea Mercado. Will is the emperor of sound, mixing and editing and is a talent behind all our original music. This episode of Intelligent Rebellion is dedicated to Pete.